Keep your balance. You have to remember that your work is something you do, not who you are. This is especially hard for artists to accept, as so much of what they do is personal. Keep close to your family, friends, and the people who love you for you, not just the work. Don't feed the trolls. The first step in evaluating feedback is sizing up who it came from. You want feedback from people who care about you and what you do. Be extra wary of feedback from anybody who falls outside of that circle. A troll is a person who isn't interested in improving your work, only provoking you with hateful, aggressive, or upsetting talk. You will gain nothing by engaging with these people. Don't feed them. They'll usually go away. Trolls can come out of nowhere and pop up in unexpected places. Right after my son was born, this woman, presumably a follower, if not a fan, got on Twitter and sent me half a dozen tweets about how she just knew my book, Still Like an Artist, was written by somebody without kids, and you just wait, mister. She then proceeded to quote passages from the book, followed by little ejaculations like, huh, try that when you're up at 3 a.m. with a crying baby. Now I've been on the internet for a long time. I get a lot of emails from people who are, as far as I can tell, sad, awful, or completely insane. I have a pretty good mental firewall that filters what I let get to me. This woman got to me. Because, of course, the worst troll is the one that lives in your head. It's the voice that tells you you're not good enough, that you suck, that you'll never amount to anything. It's the voice that told me... I'd never write another good word after becoming a father. It is the one thing, it is one thing to have the troll in your brain. It is another to have a stranger hold a megaphone to it and let it shout. Do you have a troll problem? Use the block button on social media sites. Delete nasty comments. My wife is fond of saying, if someone took a dump in your living room, you wouldn't let it sit there, would you? Nasty comments are the same. They should be scooped up and thrown in the trash. At some point, you might consider turning off comments completely. Having a form for comments is, having, is the same as inviting comments. There's never a space under paintings in a gallery where someone writes their opinion, says cartoonist Natalie D. When you get to the end of a book, you don't have to see what everyone else thought of it. Let people contact you directly or let them copy your work over their own spaces and talk about it if <clears throat> it all they want. Over to, oh my goodness. Sell out, number nine. Sell out, I'm not crazy about that word. We're all entrepreneurs. To me, I don't care if you own a furniture store or whatever. The best sign you can put up is sold out. Even the Renaissance had to be funded. People need to eat and pay the rent. The amateur is an artist who supports himself with outside jobs, which enable him to paint, said artist Ben Sean. A professional is someone whose wife works to enable him to paint. Whether an artist makes money or off his work or not, money has to come from somewhere, be it a day job, a wealthy spouse, a trust fund, an arts grant, or a patron. We all have to get over our starving on artist romanticism and the idea that touching money inherently corrupts creativity. Some of our most meaningful and most cherished cultural artifacts are made were made for money. 
Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel ceiling because the Pope commissioned him. Mario Puzo wrote The Godfather to make money. He was 45 years old, tired of being an artist, and owed $20,000 to assorted relatives, banks, bookmasters, and Shylocks. Paul McCartney has said that he and John Lennon used to sit down before a Beatles song session and say, now let's write a swimming pool. Everyone says that an artist, everyone says they want artists to make money. And then when they do, everybody hates them for it. The word sellout is spit out by the bitterest, smallest parts of ourselves. Don't be one of those horrible fans who stops listening to your favorite band just because they have a hit single. Don't write off your friends because they have a little bit of success. Don't be jealous when the people you like do well. Celebrate their victory as if it's your own. All right, it is time for my practice reading. When an audience starts gathering for the work that you're freely putting into the world, you might eventually want to take the leap of turning them into patrons. The easiest way to do this is to simply ask for donations. Put a little virtual tip jar or a donate now button on your website. These links do well with a little bit of human copy, such as, like this, buy me a coffee. This is a very simple transaction, which is the equivalent of band, a band passing a hat during a gig. If people are digging what you do, they'll throw a few bucks your way. If you have work you want to attempt that requires some upfront capital, platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo make it easy to run fundraising campaigns that with tiered rewards for donors. It's important to know that these platforms work best when, you're already, when you've already gathered a group of people who are into what you do. The musician Amanda Palmer has had wild success turning her audience into patrons. After showing her work, sharing her music freely, <clears throat> and cultivating relationships with her fans, she asked for $100,000 from them to help record her next album. They gave her more than a million dollars. There are certainly some strings attached to crowdfunding. When people become patrons, they feel, not altogether wrongly, that they should have some say in how their money is being used. It's partly for this reason that my business model is still pretty old-fashioned. I make something and sell it for money. Instead of having a Donate Now button on my website, I have a Buy Now and a Hire Me button. But even though I operate more like a traditional salesman, I do use some of the same tactics as crowdfunders. I try to open, I try to be open about my process, connect with my audience, and ask them to support me by buying the things I am selling. Beware of selling the things that you love. When people are asked to get out their wallets, you find out how much they really value what you do. My friend John T. Unger tells this terrific story from his days as a street poet. He would do a poetry reading, and afterward, some guy would come up to him and say, Your poem changed my life, man. And John would say, Oh, thanks. Want to buy a book? It's $5. The guy would take the book, hand it back to John, and say, Nah, that's okay. To which John would respond, Geez, how much is your life worth? 
Whether you ask for donations, crowdfund, or sell your products or service, asking for money in return for your, your work is a leap you want to take only when you feel confident that you're putting work out into the world that you think is truly worth something. Don't be afraid to charge for your work, but put a price on it that you think is fair. Even if, hello? Even if you don't have anything to sell right now, you should always be collecting email addresses from people who come across your work and want to stay in touch. Why email? You'll notice a pattern with technology. Often the most boring and utilitarian technologies are the ones that stick around the longest. Email is decades and decades old, but it's nowhere close to being dead. Even though almost everybody hates it, everybody has an email address. And unlike RSS and social media feeds, if you send someone an email, it will land in their inbox and it will come to their attention. She may not open it, but she definitely has to go through the trouble of deleting it. I know people who run multi-million dollar businesses off their email lists. The model is very simple. They give away great stuff on their sites, they collect email as <coughs> they collect emails. Then when they have something remarkable to share or sell, they send an email. You'd be amazed at how well the model works. Keep your own list or get an account with an email newsletter company like MailChimp and put a letter <coughs> put a little sign-up widget on every page of your website. Write a little bit of copy to encourage people to sign up. Be clear about what they can expect, whether you'll be sending daily, monthly, or infrequent updates. Never add someone's email address to your email list without their permission. The people who sign up for your list will be some of your biggest supporters, just by the simple fact that they signed up for the potential to be spammed by you. Don't betray their trust, and don't push your luck. Build your list. Treat it with respect. It will come in handy. Make more work for yourself. Some awful people use the term sellout to include any artist who dares to have ambition whatsoever. They'll say they're a sellout if you try to make it outside your hometown. They'll say you're a sellout if you buy better equipment. They'll say you're a sellout if you try anything new at all. There is a point in one's life when one cares about selling out and not selling out. writes author Dave Eagers. Thankfully for some, this all passes. What really matters, Eagers says, is doing good work and taking advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. I really like saying yes. I like new things, projects, plans, getting people together, and doing something, trying something, even when it's corny or stupid. The people who holler sell out are all hollering no. They're the people who don't want things to change. Yet in life, yet a life of creativity is all about change, about moving forward, taking chances, exploring new frontiers. The real risk is in not changing, said saxophonist John Coltrane. I have to feel that I'm after something. If I make money, fine. But I'd rather be striving. It's the striving, man. It's that, it's that I want. Be ambitious. Keep yourself busy. Think bigger. Expand your audience. Don't hobble yourself in the name of keeping it real or not selling out. Try new things. If an opportunity comes along that will allow you to do more of the kind of work you want to do, say yes. 
if an opportunity comes along that would mean more money, but less of the kind of the work you want to do, say no. Pay it forward. When you have success, it's important to use any dough, clout, or platform you've acquired to help along the work. Of the people who've helped you get to where you are, extol your teachers, your mentors, your heroes, your influencers, your peers, and your fans. Give them a chance to share their own work. Throw opportunities their way. There's a caveat, caveat to all this. As, human being, as a human being, you have a finite amount of time and attention. At some point, you have to switch from saying yes a lot to saying no a lot. The biggest problem of success is that the world conspires to stop you doing the thing that you do because you are successful, writes author Neil Gaiman. There was a day when I looked up and realized that I had become someone who professionally replied to email and who wrote as a hobby. I started answering fewer emails and was relieved to find I was writing much more. I find myself in the weird position now where I get way more email from people that I could, than, than I could even answer and still do everything I need to. The way I get over my guilt about not answering email is to hold office hours. Once a month, I make myself available so that anyone can ask me anything on my website. And I try to give thoughtful answers that I then post so everyone can see. You just have to be as generous as you can, but selfish enough to get your work done.